Welcome to the Cross Church Podcast. You're listening to part three of our November series, No Worries, a study in Luke 12. This message was presented on November 17th, and Pastor Allen discusses the concept of building up treasure in heaven instead of here on earth. Thanks for listening. Well, here we go, week three on worry-free living. Uh, Folks, I want you to recognize something before I go any further. What I'm talking about is not how to be worry-free for for certain spells or certain seasons or or for for periods of time in your life. I'm talking about a brand new way of living. It's a completely new way of living. It means you've given up your old way of living and you now have adopted a new way of living. Martin Luther, some of you may know him. Uh, He is really the great... The, the great Protestant, he protested against the Roman Catholic Church. And, and he had 95 reasons for it. He nailed them on the door of the church in Wittenberg. But here's what, here's what Martin Luther believed. He believed that a person needed to be not just religious. A person needed to have their own relationship with God. In other words, he, he was moving beyond uh, being christened, being catechized, and then being communionized. Because that's really what, what happens uh, for so many people in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, please, don't anybody go away here thinking, you know, thinking or believing or saying, Pastor Allen doesn't like Catholics. That's not it at all. But, Roman, but, but, but Martin Luther saw a problem in the, Mar, in the Ro, uh, Roman Catholic Church, and, and it was that it was very religious but didn't seem to have any kind of uh, relationship with God. In fact, it became very superstitious in, in their practices. Uh, they believed that uh, you know, if they put down a certain amount of money, they could buy their relatives out of hell. We call those indulgences. Uh, they believed that all they had to do is get baptized as babies, go through catechism, and, and then they could start taking communion. They go to confession, say their prayers, uh, say uh, tell the priest their sins, that's all done, and they can carry on living as they were. Now, I'm going to say this, that, that there are people, obviously, in the Roman Catholic Church who are converted, just as there are some people in the Protestant churches that are converted. But here's what you need to know. You need to know that to be a Christian means that you have your own personal relationship with Christ. And so Martin Luther was saying that for a person to be a Christian means that you do more than just go through religious rituals. You go through more than just these steps of you know, being baptized or, or, or sprinkled if you're a baby. It's more than that. There needs to be a conversion. And here's how Martin Luther described this conversion. In fact, he says, people go through three conversions, the conversion of their head, the conversion of their heart, and the conversion of their pocketbook. And in case you don't know what a pocketbook is, we're talking about a wallet or a purse, the place where you keep your money. Unfortunately, it's not all at the same time. So here's what I'm saying to you today. If we're going to learn to live this worry-free life, if we're going to adopt, embrace the life that has no worries, then you and I need to be wholly converted. And that means that we don't just give mental assent to the truth, but that it grips our hearts and we say, I'm all in. I'm, 
I'm passionate about it. I believe in it. I will do anything. I will die for it. And then even more than that, God, I'm even willing to give as Jesus has instructed us to give. Now, there's a lot of people who go to church every Sunday, and they're under the impression that giving is just for people who've got money, people who are rich enough. Well, here's my experience as a pastor. There's never, there's never enough. We never seem to have enough. There was a pastor at a church I, I pastored before I came here. It was an elder or a deacon on the board. And you've heard me talk about this fellow before. And I, I, I say it again just because it was, it's just so mind-boggling to me. He's on the church board. He's in a position where he's asking everybody else to give, but he will not give. And I said, how on earth can you do your job as a deacon, as an elder, with any, uh, with any self-respect? How can you expect other people to give if you don't give yourself? Because Pastor Allen, I, I'm, I'm going to give. Believe me, I'm going to give. I said, well, wh when's this going to happen? Is this going to be, well, I'm still at this church? <laughs> and, and he said, actually, as soon as I get my car paid off and my debts are done, then I, that's when I'm going to start to share. I'm, start, I'm going to start giving to the work of God. Well, needless to say, it didn't happen while I was there. And as far as I know, it never did happen. Because here's the thing, folks. When you've given your heart to Christ, when you've given your life to Christ, you give everything to Christ, even your car, everything. And you start living the way God tells you and me to live. So here's the thing. It's, it's going to be a conversion of your head where you, where you say, yeah, I, I accept that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And now I am going to live the way Jesus calls me to live. And that includes being willing to give. So... What do we read in Luke 12? Uh, Luke 12 is a fascinating chapter in the Bible because on the one hand, Jesus is saying, don't worry, but on the other hand, he's saying, you've got to give. So let me just quickly run through the verses where Jesus says, don't worry. Verse 11, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. Verse 22, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Verse 25, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? And then verse 29, and don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. And then verse 32, so don't be afraid, little flock. Do you get the gist here? God doesn't want you to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be concerned about anything. He doesn't want you to worry. Get it? Don't worry. But even as you say, yeah, I get it, I got it, I understand this, here's what I know. There's a good number of you who still are worrying. You're still anxious. You're still uptight. You're still worried about tomorrow, worried about your kids, worried about, about your, 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 your finances, your career. You're, you're worried, 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 constantly worried. So what I want to share with you today is I want to share with you a brand new way of living. A way of living that will guarantee that you are worry-free. But even as you're giving up your worry lifestyle, because it really is a lifestyle. Worrying is a lifestyle. You're giving up this worrying lifestyle to take on a new kind of lifestyle. I'm going to tell you, it's, they're polar opposites. They're, 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 they're two extreme ways of living. One is full of worries, cares, concerns, and the other one is all about giving. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, as your pastor, it's how I live. It's how my wife Gloria lives. We have always lived like this. There's never been a time when we didn't live like this. When we were missionaries in Greece, we gave 10% of our small little paycheck to the work of God, and then we gave another 10% to world missions. And that, by the way, did not go into our pockets. It just went into world missions. So we're giving away 20% of our income, and uh, I'm gonna tell you, it was just, and I mean just enough to live. There was enough every month after we got, got paid, there was enough every month to go for lunch together at the Electra Palace Hotel. Uh, and don't let the, the name of that uh, wow you. <laughs> it's called the Electra Palace Hotel, but kind of a dump, if you know what I mean. And then we, were both, we both were able to buy a magazine. That was our treat for the whole month. That was the extent of it. We didn't go out, we didn't do anything else. We didn't, there was just not enough money for anything else. But here's, here's what we're doing when we started out in our married life. Because I can tell you, we got married and went to Greece immediately. What we were doing is we're saying, God, from this day forward, we are completely putting our trust in you. We're not gonna worry about our finances. Where other, other young professionals and young couples our age were building up or amassing a great retirement income and buying houses and cars and vehicles and whatever, we had nothing. And we came back to Canada. We didn't have, we didn't have a penny in our bank account because there just was nothing there. 30, I was 30 years old with nothing. But here's what we discovered. We discovered that God met our every need and not only did God meet our every need, we were able to do things that nobody else could do. I mean, who here can say, yes, I lived uh, in Europe for four years of my life. Can anybody say that? There you go. Wow. Can anybody say I had the privilege and the opportunity of being in the service of God? And I'm going to tell you, being a pastor is a great privilege and an honor. I recognize that. We were able to travel around the world. We were able to go to, when we were kicked out of Greece, yeah, we were kicked out of Greece. You say, Pastor John, I thought you said God was taking care of you. Well, he was. Because you see, while I was in Greece just before uh, Gloria and I got married, I met a pastor from Wales who, uh, as, soon as, I was, as soon as we were kicked out of Greece, because we were missionaries, you're not supposed to be a missionary there, um, I said, hey, Bruce, can we come and visit you? By all means, come on down. So I thought, well, how much money have we got in our bank account? We got enough to buy two tickets with Yugoslavian Airlines. For like, I think, was it 80 bucks? Or no, it was like a couple hundred bucks each. So it was Jesse was a brand new baby, weeks old, and the three of us, this little missionary family, and we we're off, off to Wales. Has anybody been to Wales? It's a few people been to Wales. Yeah, and to England. Am I bragging? No, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you about my life. Off to Wales. And guess what? For two weeks while we were in Wales, Bruce provided for us and met all our needs, fed us, made sure we had... And then there's little old ladies that we were meeting in the different churches we were going to, giving us 20 pounds here. 20 pounds is like $40, and 10 pounds there, and 50 pounds, and 100 pounds. And then we're all ready to go back to Greece, and Yugoslavian Airlines now, uh, well, 
I don't know if you knew what happened there, but uh, uh, put it this way, they were not allowed to operate anymore in almost all the European cities. So here we are in Wales with, two, with three airline tickets. They're useless. And they said to Bruce, help. <laughs> what are we going to do? And you know what happened? He said, you know what? Don't worry about it, Alan. Um, he went down to the travel agency, and he was able to find three tickets for 70 pounds each, which was absolutely like going for free. And it was obviously with Yugoslavian Airlines. It was with another airline. But there we were, off to Wales for a couple of weeks, had a, a beautiful time there of ministry, being taken care of, uh, even a little bit of sightseeing, and then back to Greece again, all having no money in my pockets. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because the lifestyle I'm calling you to is very unconventional. It's not what the world tells you you need to do. You start to live for God, you start doing things God's way, and God begins to provide for you and meet your needs in the most astonishing ways. In fact, he doesn't just meet your needs, but he blesses you and brings great joy to your life as you obey him and do your will. So we got back to Greece, we were allowed back in for another six months, and then after six months we had to go again, but that's a story for another day. I could, I could honestly, I could write volumes on how God has provided for us uh, over the years. But here's what I want. I want. I want you to experience that. I want you to know the joy of God's provision. And I'm going to tell you, it will not be money falling out of heaven. Oh, that, that might, might happen for some. It never happened for us that way. But I'm going to tell you, God's provision came to us in the, in the strangest, most remarkable way. Because God wants to do that. He delights in doing that. He delights in meeting all our needs. But what you need to understand is you, you, you are not supposed to worry. You're supposed to live a worry-free life. So, for the last few weeks, I've been showing you the disclaimer for this sermon series, because I know some of you are, are cynical enough to think, oh, Pastor Allen just wants our money. This is just a money grab. I'm not going to ask if anybody thinks that. <laughs> Maybe I will, and I'll get the ushers ready to take you out. <laughs> it's not a money grab. So I want to show you that, that disclaimer one more time. The pastor and the elders are seeing a shortfall in general giving, and therefore, we understand that this is a spiritual problem amongst God's people. So I've got some questions for you. If you're not giving, the first question is this. Are you actually converted? Maybe you're, maybe you're unconverted. And if that's the case, carry on. Don't worry. It's not for you. If you're not converted, you don't need to give. The next question is this. Are you just being disobedient? You just say, you know, I know Jesus wants me to give, but I'm not doing it. Well, that's your problem then between you and God. And God, if, if you are converted and you are being disobedient, then you will come under the discipline of God. Anybody want to come under the discipline of God? Me neither. <laughs> Has anybody been under the discipline of God? I know I have, and I don't like it. I really don't like it. The next question it would be this. Are you worried? You're too worried to give. 
Now, this, those two questions, are you disobedient and are you worried, are very closely connected. Because I'm going to tell you, worry is not an excuse for disobedience. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I don't know what anybody gives here today. So if I'm looking you straight in the eye, I don't want you to get all panicked and you think, Pastor Ellen is picking on me. I'm not, because I don't know what anybody gives. I have no idea. But I'm going to tell you, the work of God will go on with or without you. If you don't want to give, God's work will carry on. How many know that today? It's going to go on with or without you. The reason I'm telling you this information and, and going through this series called No Worries is to teach you how to live a worry-free life. God doesn't need your money. What he needs is your heart. And when you are giving, what you're saying is, God, I completely trust you. My life is in your hands. My heart is in your hands. God, I'm taking this step of faith. And I'm going to trust you. Doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you heard what Ron Keller was saying here. I mean, he came to my office and shared the story about how he and his wife started to give. And man, it just thrilled my heart. I said, you've got to share that with everybody. And that's why we had him share this morning. How he and his wife decided they're going to get serious about giving to the work of God. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the work of God will go on with or without you. But you need to give for your sake. Not for my sake. I've been a pastor for, uh, for over 30 years, and I can tell you the work of God always goes on, but I'm telling you, you need to give for your own spiritual growth and development. This is how Gloria and I live. My dad taught me how to do that. He taught me to tithe, and, and guess what? We've taught our kids how to do that. Jesse, Nicholas, and Sarah, they all tithe. They all give. They give not just to, to the work of God, but they also give to the work in Burundi and so on and so forth. Why? Why am I teaching them that? Because I want them to have a worry-free life. I don't want them to be panicking or worrying. And secondly, I want them to know God's provision in their life. And that way, I don't have to worry about them. Hello. They're in God's hands. So we're talking this morning about a worry-free life. And I'm going to tell you that what I'm telling you is, is a lifestyle. Talking about, I'm telling you about a lifestyle that is empowered by the Holy Spirit because you can't do this on your own. Does everybody get that? Because first of all, it doesn't even make sense to the natural mind. I'm going to give my money away and therefore I'm going to have more. That doesn't make sense. Precisely. We're talking about spiritual principles. The natural mind cannot receive spiritual truth, the Bible says. So Jesus teaches us a new way to live, and here's what he says. And again, this blows your mind. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe, and no thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I know, I know where a person's heart is based on, on their level of generosity, whether they're willing to give, whether they're willing to give. By the way, I'm not talking just about money. Everybody gets that, right? We're talking about giving of your time. 
Now, some people think, well, I give. I give of my time. That's good enough. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, not, not just your time and not just your talent. I'm saying give everything that you have because this is what it means to be a steward, which we'll be talking about next week. We're talking about giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Your money, your skills, and, uh, and your money. Time, treasure, talent. Are you willing to do that? And I'm going to tell you, as you do that, that's when you begin to experience God supernaturally at work in your life. And that's when you begin to say, hey, if I have a problem, it's God's problem, it's not mine. So if I have problems with a car, I say to God, God, your car's got problems. God, the, the dealership just told me it's going to cost me $3,000 for, uh, for a, a new transmission. But God, it's not my transmission, it's yours, so you're going to have to meet the need. And miraculously, wonderfully, God intervenes and helps. And the bills are paid. And this is how Gloria and I have lived our, our whole married life, trusting God like this. Giving, even when it didn't make sense to give, even when... <laughs> Even when my, my uh, it's not Denny Chow, my financial advisor, it was a different one before I ever met Denny. He said, Alan, you're just not making enough money to tithe. You better stop. And I said, well, it's, it's time for me to get a new financial advisor. Because I'm going to tell you, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I believe and I trust that my God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. How do you tell a financial advisor that? That doesn't make sense. Get out of my office. And here's the thing. My financial advisor at that time said he needed, uh, and this is back, this is going back now to the early 1990s. He said, I need at least $8,000 a month to live. I said, well, I can live on $2,000 a month. Now, who's the good financial advisor? You see what I'm saying here, folks? When you, start, when you start trusting God and start living the way he wants you to live, that's when God's provision is poured out in our lives. Now, here's the thing. As Christians, you and I carry the name of Christ. As Christians... You and I are God's representatives here on this earth. We are the hands and the feet of God in this world. And so when people say, well, look at all the need in this world, where is God? Right here. Right, right here. We show up and do the work of God where there's a need. And where there's, where there's a lack of hope, God shows up in the form of the church bringing hope to people who live in darkness and in hopelessness. This is why God wants us to give of our time, our treasure, and our talent so that God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's work can be accomplished. And if you don't give, 
of your time, if you don't give of your talent and your treasure, how will God's work get done? And I can't, so I can't answer that question. I don't know of any other way for God's work to get done unless he sends the angels down to do it for us. But I, my experience and all my reading of Scripture and all my knowledge of history, God has never done that. There's no plan B. There's only a plan A. And plan A says you and I are on the hook for doing God's work on this earth. So Jesus says, sell your possessions, give to those in need, stir up your treasure in heaven. Heaven, in case you don't know, it's a place where God is. Now, look at Heaven is, is the place where God dwells. It's, it's his dwelling place. It's his throne room. In case you don't know this, you and I were created for relationship with God Almighty. When God made Adam and Eve, he fellowshiped with them. He, it, the Bible says he walked in the garden with them, talking to them. But when they sinned, that fellowship was broken off, and no longer were they in fellowship with God. But now through Jesus Christ, we have access to the throne room of heaven. We have access to God. We're actually able to go to heaven. We're actually able to look forward to heaven. And I'm talking only about those who are converted. If you're not converted, you're not going there. That's what the Bible says. I'm not trying to be nasty or mean. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So don't anybody stone me or throw tomatoes at me. Jesus wants us to understand that we are preparing now to live forever with our God. And Jesus is making it clear that you have to send your treasure on before you, that you may enjoy a rich and glorious and blessed eternity in the presence of God. Can I ask you a question? What's your heaven going to be like? What's your experience in heaven going to be like? Look at, at the end of the day, it's not the amount of money or the amount of time, it's the percentage of your time. God doesn't care about the millions and the billions. What he cares is you and your willingness to share. Jesus says, when, when, you, when, you, when you give, you're storing up for yourself treasure in heaven. And the interesting thing is, is that wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Can I ask you where your heart is right now? Is it with, is it with God? Is it, is, do you have a, a passion and a longing and a desire and a hunger for God? Or are you only thinking about yourself and the things of this world? That, by the way, the Bible says, is going to be burnt up and there'll be nothing left. Some of you may be rich on this earth, but when it comes to heaven, you are going to be paupers. Let me just show you, using my algorithm, about this new way of life. And here it is. Do you have a problem? If the answer is yes, the question is, is Jesus your king and savior? If the answer is no, then you are sticking to your old way of living. And I have to tell you, I don't know what else to say except Carry on worrying, because I don't know what else you can do. 
But if Jesus Christ is your king and savior, then once again, I'll say, don't worry. Look at this. this is, we're talking about a brand new way of living. We're saying, obey the king. And what does it mean to obey the king? You have to give. Jesus said that, right? He said, give and it will be given unto you. Press down, shake it together, running over. And then it says, after you've given, you can go on enjoying God's provision in your life. Now, how many believe today that God is far better at providing for you than you are providing for you? Would anybody agree with that? Maybe you agree with that in theory. The only way you can actually experience that in practice is by actually doing what the king says. And King Jesus tells us to give. In fact, Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver. A willingness to say, God, I'm, I'm taking a step of faith. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, to, be, to be quite frank with you, God, I, f- I actually feel a little bit worried about giving because I'm not sure what's going to happen. And God says, trust me. That's what God has been saying to people throughout the ages. Trust me. He said it to Abraham, didn't he? Trust me. Do, it, do as I tell you to do. And he said it to Sarah, trust me, you're going to be a mother. Yes, you are 100 years old, but no problem for God. Trust me. Said it to Noah, didn't he? Trust me. Build the ark, do what I'm telling you to do, and I'm going to take care of the rest. And so Noah doesn't make any sense to Noah, but he builds this massive ark, and lo and behold, everything God said came true. And all his needs were met. And when I say his needs were met, that's an understatement because his needs weren't just met. I'm telling you, folks, his life was spared. His children's lives were spared. His grandchildren's lives were spared. Why? Because he obeyed the king. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Because here's what I know. I know that some of you, 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 you want to live this new way but the fact is, is that you're still living the old way. You're, you, you just you say, Pastor John, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, while it's still fresh, you need to take the step of faith. And you need to say, Janet, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to get involved at church. You need to say, God, I'm willing to give. You've got to be willing to say, wherever there's a need, I've got, here's my talent. I'm ready to use it for the glory of God. When you get up and get prepared to give, then God will provide for you in the most miraculous way. Let me just remind you, finally, about the story of the farmer, the rich farmer in Luke 12. He's so busy farming and making his millions his crop was so massive that he said, where am I going to put all, these, all this grain, all this harvest? I, is it, my barns aren't big enough for this. He could have shared some of that. But no. No. No thought for the needs of others. No thought of what would make God happy. He only thought, what will make me happy? After all, look at all the work I've done. 
I deserve this. Hey, have you noticed that that's exactly how, how the marketing, almost every commercial is like this. You deserve this. You, de- you deserve a Big Mac. Right? You deserve. That's what this farmer, rich farmer thought. I deserve. I deserve all this. And so he thought to himself, I'm going to build bigger barns. What he didn't know is that the very night where he uttered those words, I'm going to build bigger barns, this would be the night that Jesus would take him home. And Jesus says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. This is what we're talking about. A rich relationship with God where you start obeying him. You start giving and then trusting him to take care of your needs. This is how to live the worry-free life. When I was at the general conference in, in Vancouver, back a few years ago. There's a missionary couple there. And it was during a service, and I just felt God saying to me, Alan, you need to give this couple $200. So I did. At the end of the service, I tried to find them. I said, here, I need to give this to you. I just feel God impressing on my heart to give it to you. Well, both of them got emotional, and she especially, she started to cry. And she said, well, you're not going to believe this. And then she's got four kids, there's six of them. She says, when it came time for the missions offering, we went into our wallet to find whatever money we had because we wanted to give it to the work of God. Now, folks, this is how Christians live, how real Christians live. They have no money, they got four kids, and they're missionaries. And if you're a missionary then by definition, you don't make any money. And so I gave them $200, and they started to cry. And they said, well, you'll never believe what just happened. We, we gathered all the money out of our pockets, and it came out to $200, and we put it on the offering plate. That was, that was 45 minutes ago, Pastor and here you are giving it back to us. Well, folks, I'm going to tell you, this is how Christians live. We give because we know God will provide for us. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, thank you. Thank you for your provision. Thank you, God, for allowing us the privilege of partnering with you and bringing hope to a broken world. Father, we, we pray that we would learn to adopt this new way of living, which is a worry-free life, where we obey the king and give. Give of our time, getting involved, serving, giving of our money, using our talents for the glory of God. And Father, we know then we can count on you to meet our every need. Father, I want everybody here at Cross Church to embrace this new lifestyle, this new way of living, worry-free, generous, 
and giving. Because, God, your word clearly tells us that the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Proverbs 11.2. God, we pray, give us the grace, give us the wisdom, give us the courage, the strength, and the faith to live the way you've called us to live. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, don't worry, go give.